case of vigilante justice you've ever heard of. The man's name was Ken Rex McElroy. He terrorized a small town he lived in for years. He was accused of regularly stealing from his neighbors stuff like livestock, gasoline, and antiques. Robbery, harassing, assaulting, graping women, two as young as twelve. Destroying property, including burning down his wife's parents' house when she tried to leave him. Assault, including shooting at least two people. He was charged with various crimes at least three times a year. But he had an incredible lawyer. Man was only ever charged with anything once. He used to intimidate witnesses against him by following them or parking outside their homes and watch them until they were too scared to testify against him. That one time he was charged, by the way, he shot a grocer in the neck with a scatter shooty shooty bang bang. For that, he was given a charge of second degree assault. Max two year sentence. But he appealed, of course, and got out on bail. So he goes into a bar and loudly threatens to murder said grocer who survived the shooting to the neck, by the way. All that did was get his trial pushed back. Anywho, the town had a meeting. Then a big group of them went to the bar where Ken liked to drink and shot him in the goddamn head. I have actually been aware of the Kevin Rex McElroy story for a really long time. I watched Count Dankula's Mad Lads video on it, and honestly, a lot of his Mad Lads videos are so fun and interesting to watch. But um, this raises an interesting question of if there is a general menace to society going about doing things on repeat, and the police, the justice system, what have you, aren't doing their job, should the general populace just put up with it? I mean, I should hope this isn't a controversial statement to make, but I really have zero respect, tolerance, or sympathy for rapists, murderers, or anything of that ilk, to be honest. And uh, if an individual does come along, and this person decides to fool around and find out, and that person does something about it, when no one else did, when the police didn't bother, when the justice system did not do what it's supposed to do, then frankly, life moves on. Another case, Yaku Yadav. To quote the Wikipedia article, he was an Indian gangster, robber, home invader, kidnapper, serial rapist minus the G, extortionist, and serial killer. He terrorized a poor slum to the point nearly every single woman in this community had been assaulted by him, and the daughters were just kept inside. He never got in trouble, though, because he bribed the police and only targeted Dalits, basically the untouchable caste in India. Seriously, the list of crimes is horrifying, just skimming the article. It all came to a head when he turned his attention on a young woman who was studying to go to college and help the community. She stood up to him, and it ended with her threatening to blow up her house if they broke in. She called the police during the standoff, but they never came. That was the last straw for the neighbors. A mob formed and chased off his men by stoning them and then burning down his house, and he went to the police to get himself arrested for his own protection. When they took him to the court for trial, a mob was waiting and he actually threatened them. The police did nothing. More than that, one of his accomplices tried to pass him a knife, and the police only stepped in after the mob protested that. The next day, he was attacked and beaten but he was rescued by the police. The police had no intention of actually punishing him and set up his bail hearing in another city. Hundreds of women marched from the slums armed with knives and chili powder, and well, I think I'll just quote the Wikipedia article. Yadav was then lynched by the mob of 200 to 400 women who showed up. He was stabbed at least 70 times and chili powder and stones were thrown in his face. The chili powder was also thrown into the faces of police officers who guarded him. The police officers, overwhelmed and terrified, fled immediately. One of his alleged victims also hacked off his penis. The lynching occurred in Nagpur District Court No. 7, 
on the marble floor of the courtroom. As he was being lynched, Yadav was horrified and shouted, Forgive me. I won't do it again. The women passed their knives around and kept stabbing him. Each woman agreed to stab Yadav at least once. The mob continued attacking his corpse post-mortem. Yep, one of the most brutal lynchings ever. If you think it wasn't justified, I'll quote one more part from the Wikipedia article about his arrival at the court, which I think sums up his character quite well. Yadav walked in and was confident and unrepentant. At about 2.30 to 3 p.m. when Yadav appeared, he saw a woman he had assaulted. Yadav mocked her, called her a prostitute, and said he would do it to her again. The police laughed. Even when faced with a mob of his victims, he was still mocking them. This monster only felt remorse when he was literally about to die. And worse, the police laughed. If that mob had any lingering doubts, that moment definitely 100% made it clear that the police would not do anything to ever see Yadav face actual justice. 100% justified vigilante justice at its finest. I'm not a man of faith, I have limited understanding of Hinduism, but I hope this man is suffering in Naraka for all eternity, and before you say Naraka is not a place of permanence for sinners, Madhvacharya has a different opinion on that. But here's the thing, it's not even just a problem with Aku Yadav himself, screw that guy to the deepest depths of Naraka, or the police, or any of his associates, it's also the freaking caste system. Which is, surprisingly, still pretty prevalent in their society today, I mean, this guy died in 2004. Grady Stiles Jr., a.k.a. Lobster Boy. He was an incredibly abusive husband and father. His daughter and her boyfriend actually pretended she was pregnant so they could get married and she could leave the house. The day before the wedding, he shot the boyfriend in the back three times, killing him. He actually confessed at the trial and was found guilty of third-degree murder. However, the jail wasn't equipped to deal with his condition. He required a wheelchair due to his condition. And so, he was instead sentenced to 15 years probation. He went back to being an abusive monster to his family, but it was even worse than before. He regularly reminded them he got away with murder once and he could do it again. Somehow, he convinced his first wife to remarry him during this time, which I'd say was the worst mistake she ever made. In the end, his stepson and possibly his wife, though they all claim she had nothing to do with it, hired a fellow circus performer to murder him because his entire family believed he would murder her. I'm not exaggerating. In interviews for the ID show I saw about the case, every family member made it clear that if he lived, he most likely would have killed her at some point. It wasn't a matter of if, but when. His death is one of the only murders outside of self-defense that I think is 100 100% justified, because the justice system already failed once. He might have been sentenced and found guilty, but they just put him on probation and house arrest. He literally got away with murder. If he'd just gone to jail the first time, then his family wouldn't be so screwed up now. I feel so bad for the stepson. He just wanted to protect his mom, and now he'll be in jail for the rest of his life. I think that's one of the worst parts of this case. His wife, stepson, and the hired killer all got longer sentences than Styles' probation. That man never spent a day in jail for cold-blooded murder, and yet his wife and stepson are likely to rot in there for trying to protect themselves from him. I'm gonna say this hits very close to home, so I'm gonna make this brief. Lobster boy, you're a despicable piece of crap. I'd call you something else, but I'm not allowed to, or else I'll get a smack on the bum-bum by the producers. In my hometown, we had a drunk named T. He was in his 60s when this happened. T was slightly mentally handicapped and always walked home from the bar. One night, a group of teenagers grabbed him and beat him with a crowbar. Miraculously, 
T lived. Once the names got out of who did the crime, they all got out because they were 16 with probation. A group of guys, most of them over 6 foot and big, found the boys one by one and beat the living tar out of them. Then many of us in town donated and paid all T's medical bills off and the money raised paid for him to live in a nice apartment the rest of his life. So I understand to some degree why young children and teenagers are defended or protected from the consequences of their own actions by the law. But in this case, beating a man with a crowbar in the street is nothing but savagery. Screw them kids. Otherwise, though, I'm glad that this actually had a happy ending rather than just getting revenge, because revenge is cool. Revenge is rad. Don't let The Last of Us 2 tell you otherwise. Revenge is the sickest thing you can ever achieve. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Hands up anybody who has heard of the Derlovanga Brigade. This was a Nazi unit recruited from convicts and guys released from asylums and was so brutal that even other Nazis were disgusted by their atrocities. Their particular forte was massacring defenseless Slavic civilians, including murdering an entire kindergarten full of kids with bayonets. Evil Schweizkerl, to say the least. Their leader was a convicted grapist, sadist, and all-round unstable thug, Oskar Derlovanger. After the war, he was captured by the French and imprisoned where he reportedly died of war wounds. What is more likely is that some payback happened. Remember how Derlovanger loved slaughtering Slavs? Derlovanger's guards happened to be Polish. I suspect this choice of guards was entirely deliberate. The result was that Derlovanger got beaten to death. I have nothing to say except they are an actual factual Nazi and I don't really care or feel bad about anything that happens to them. This is nowhere near the severity of most of these stories, but since it was close to home, when my daughter was in high school, she was tall and very attractive. She got a lot of attention from boys. One in particular was a jerk. Scott would not leave or take no for an answer. He would harass her because she had no interest in him. But she is very independent and never complained to us. She has always taken care of her own business. One day between classes, she stopped to get a drink of water. She stood there for a minute chatting with her friends and Scott, showing off for his idiot pals, slid on his back behind my daughter so he could take a look up her dress. When my daughter looked down, Scott starts saying something like, she's wearing pretty pink panties today. My daughter, a star on the soccer team, kicked Scott very hard in the ribs. That evening, I get a call from a man I have met, Scott's dad. They are in the ER. Scott has two broken ribs. I had no idea how this related to me. Then he told me that Scott told me that my daughter did this to him. I was expecting him to say he was going to sue me or something, but what he said was, I questioned Scott as to what he did to get kicked and how he was in such a position. I found out why your daughter kicked him, and she should have kicked him a few more times. I will have him apologize in writing, and furthermore, he will be grounded, I say grounded, until the end of school. But if you will, apologize to your daughter for me. Of course, my wife and I had a talk with her, relayed the message and told her not to withhold good news. I have a lot of respect for a dad who did the right thing. I would bet that Scott turned out to be a better man. I certainly hope so as well that Scott turned out to be a better person. I know quite a few people who gave people, and even myself, a lot of crap in high school, and like, you know, there'd be fights, you know, insults would be tossed about and whatnot. And as a matter of fact, one of them that I know who I really, really disliked for a long time was a snotty little brat for most of his life, has actually grown up to be a fairly respectable individual. TLDR, father gets ultimate revenge on a pedophile who'd raped his son and got away with it in court. 
Sorry this is long, but it requires an intro of some sort. Years ago, I remember my family watching Phil Donahue. Y'all remember him, right? He kind of set the standard for talk shows and doing it in an investigative manner. But he had standards and wouldn't allow a Jerry Springer-like atmosphere. He'd present something or someone with controversial ideas or ideologies or have people famous because this or that happened or the subject of sensationalist news stories, human interest stories, all sorts of things that he thoroughly educated people about. Then he let his audience have the floor to ask questions freely. Anyway, one episode was a man about 40s or so. He'd just been, I think, either acquitted or done some time. I don't remember that part. But he had a son that was graped by a pedophile and his son had been forced to testify in court at maybe age 9 or 10 and had to give extremely horrible and graphic testimony retelling of what the man had done to him to the point he got sick on the stand and began vomiting. It was obviously horrendous to have been forced to watch being the boy's father and mother. Well, the pedo got a not guilty verdict for a lack of physical evidence regardless of what the little boy had said on the stand, something that happens all too often. So the father, who was a religious man, and I think they were from Texas, if I'm not mistaken, broke into the pedo's home and basically, I guess, held him at shooty-shooty-bang-bang point and told him, you and I are going to pray. He told the pedophile, yes, you and I are going to pray. You are going to ask God for forgiveness for what you did to my son, and I am going to ask him for forgiveness for what I am about to do to you. And blew his brains out. I was not very old myself, maybe 12 when I saw that episode, and it totally galvanized me. And I loved that show till it went off the air. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. 
an official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. You're going to ask God for forgiveness, and I'm going to ask him to forgive me for what I'm about to do to you. That is some action movie stuff, man. Say what you want about Texas. Say what you want about Texan boys. But, oh, man, when they want revenge, they get it. In Brazil, I have a resident for two plus years. It is a common practice to cut off the fingers and hands of captured thieves. A lot of the time they will also get beaten, almost to death with planks, like two-by-fours, etc. It is also common for them to take a bullet to the hand, leg, etc. Grapists, thieves, and others who are shunned are usually subject to this kind of torture. Many times they will be dismembered with a machete or disemboweled as well. Beheadings are common, but they will usually take place after the victim has went through some significant torture. I have personally seen an alleged grapist from Sao Paulo get captured by the victim's brother. The grapist was about 20 or so. The girl he graped was about 11. They caught him, beat him in the street, then took him in an alley and hacked him up with a machete. It really isn't hard, people. Just keep your dirty little hands to yourself. I arrived to install some security and surveillance devices at a home in Phoenix several years ago and got the story straight from Brian Danielson. For those of you, like I was, that have no idea who this is, he goes by the stage name of Daniel Bryan and is slash was a wrestler with the WWE and a one-time champion. I'll link the story, but it seems to have left out some of the best details that were relayed to me. Story goes that he and his wife arrive home. His wife goes to the carport door to enter the house and locks eyes with someone in the house. She sees the man and another drop whatever they are holding and bolt out of the back door towards the alley that runs behind the house. Brian takes off running after them, vaults the fence in the backyard and sees the two men running in the opposite direction away from the house. He decides to chase one guy over the other. Not sure what helped decide that. He chases the guy for about a block as the guy had a good lead on him. He catches the guy in the front of someone's house and puts him in a headlock and holds him while the homeowner that witnesses the struggle calls 911. The police were quick to arrive as another homeowner had already called about the suspicious vehicle parked at the end of the alley that happened to belong to the would-be burglars. Even more impressive about this is that Brian had very recently undergone neck surgery and was still capable of chasing down and subduing someone intent on getting away. Pro wrestling may be scripted, but this dude was obviously more than capable of handling himself. Also, he and his wife, Brie Bella, were some of the nicest and down-to-earth celebrities that I have met in my line of work. It's not hard, people. Just keep your sticky little fingers to your goddamn self. But anyway, this actually reminds me of the story about Dolph Lundgren. Apparently, supposedly, his Marbella home was being robbed by three different people. And And for those of you who don't know who Dolph Lundgren is, Rocky IV... Ivan Drago, man was built different. Like I said, I'm not a man of faith or anything like that, but, but, if God is real, he built Dolph Lundgren with the good stuff. Some people out there are just built female dog made. I can't say that word, so female dog made, but Dolph Lundgren, 
Dolph Longer is built different. So these three mass robbers are apparently robbing his house in Marbella or something. They've tied up his wife, but then upon seeing a family portrait and seeing that Dolph Lundgren is in said family portrait, suddenly fear for their lives, because what if Dolph Lundgren comes home? Oh man, don't say that. Screw this. And they leave. They just drop everything and just leave immediately. And honestly, I don't blame them. <laughs> A man's son was abducted by his karate teacher and graped over quite a long period of time. The police caught him, and as they were bringing him through the airport, his father pretended to be on a payphone. When the grapist and police walked by, he turned around and shot the grapist in the head, killing him instantly. This was all caught live on the news. The father wasn't charged with murder. He received five years probation. Gary frickin' Plochet, I... Love this story. It's a it's a horrible story. It's a horrible story when you get down to it because of the victimization of his son. And you see, the context behind it is that the karate instructor of the son was kind of sort of friends with the family to some degree, like they were on good terms. And then suddenly the kidnapping happened. He like flew across the freaking country and stuff to get away, I think. Um, and I, I think to a very large degree, Gary felt responsible for not being able to protect his son from this guy. So he took actions into his own hands and, uh, killed him. But, um, his son actually made a really nice post about his father not too long ago. I remember liking and retweeting it. It went something along the lines of a lot of people know his father for this thing, obviously, but here's what I knew my father as. He was a kind gentleman and there was like a nice picture of him painting easter eggs and stuff i think um rest in power gary that's all i gotta say rest in freaking power i mean you did you just did what any decent father would do if they found out something like that had happened to their child marvin Heemeyer, aka Killdozer. I linked the wiki for him, but he is an absolute legend. I will summarize what he did and why he did that. Be careful what you read about him, because not all of it is true. So Marvin owned a muffler repair shop. The town wanted to build a concrete factory. They offered him a very low amount of money for his property. He denied. He basically asked for one million dollars. His only source of income was the shop. And if he lost it, he would be out of a job. They end up not buying his shop and building it right outside of his shop. In fact, it blocked the way he got from his house to his shop. Q zoning disputes. He petitioned to no avail to get them to move it. Multiple times, may I add. Many other things added to his rampage. He was fined for many things from the city council, likely as revenge. In fact, they expected him to pay $80,000 to connect his shop to a sewer line that was too far away. After the factory was built, it was impossible for him to even connect it. The Rampage. You have to know he did not kill anyone besides himself. He actually stopped in front of the buildings that had people in them to let them out. Some people claimed that he fired at police, but it was known he fired at propane tanks. He had a list of buildings to destroy, and he destroyed all of them. There was a local Catholic church and names of people who wronged him. We don't know if he planned to kill these people or why the church was there. In fact, he believed
believed God willed him to do what he did, and that was the reason he wasn't given a wife or children, so he could do it without remorse for them. His tank was a bulldozer that he suited with armor, a foot thick in some places. He used metal and concrete using his welding skills to hold it together. He made two shooting holes, and it was resistant to explosions and small arms fire. In the end, after it stopped moving, he deleted himself with a shot in the head. It was estimated he did around $10 million worth of damage. Now, if you believe what he did was wrong, that is your opinion. The police didn't help him. The city council didn't help him. The mayor didn't. No one did. He took it into his own hands, which is what vigilante justice is. Killdozer. I freaking love the Killdozer story. Another story, another Mad Lad story from Count Dankula that people must watch. It is insane. This man was pushed to the utter limits by crappy bureaucrats. God, I hate bureaucrats.